Today we talk about one of the most important aspects of reproduction, the endometrium, and more important, the endometrial receptivity analysis, ERA. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. So why is the endometrium so important? Because the endometrium is your room for your baby. It is what the uterus every month develops in order to have the perfect environment for your baby. So if there are things like polyps in your uterus, your room doesn't look very good. And who wants to stay in the room that doesn't look good? If your endometrium has an infection, no one likes to hang around sick people. And today we're going to be talking about timing, which is when is it the right time to stay in the room? As my nurse practitioner, Shannon, would always say, it's a womb with a view. And who doesn't want to stay in a five-star room? Now, before we get into the ERA, let's discuss a little bit more about what the endometrium is and what's important about it. Now, the endometrium is built up every month. And this is important to understand because I think a lot of people think after a miscarriage or after a surgery, they have to wait months and months and months. That's not true. When you have a menses, you are passing the entire endometrial lining, which means you're starting with a brand new one. Matter of fact, that's actually the concern if you didn't have a period because then you're just building tissue up on old tissue. So you always want to have a period before you start a transfer. Now, the first part of building up a lining is the estrogen level. And a lot of people get worried about this when they're doing things like IUIs or even in IVF, they'll get concerned that their lining is thin in the beginning. And that's actually normal because the estrogen comes from the follicles. And if you don't have very big follicles, then you're not going to have a very thick lining. And so it's normal for the lining to start thin. And then near the end, when your follicles are getting larger, your endometrium will get the largest it is. So estrogen develops the thickness. Progesterone, after you ovulate, is what prepares the lining for implantation. Matter of fact, what we're going to talk today about the ERA is that it helps with that timing to know when to put the embryo back when the progesterone timing is perfect. Since progesterone is such an important factor, this is why before you start a frozen embryo transfer, most clinics will check a progesterone level to make sure you don't already have progesterone elevated above one. If you do, it will start the preparation process too early and your timing will be off. So what does this timing mean? Well, the timing has to do with a thing called your window of implantation. The window of implantation is the appropriate time for the embryo to land in the uterus and then implant. Now, historically, when we have done IVF, everyone puts an embryo back on day five. Now, years ago, 
we used to do day two, day three transfers. And that's because we couldn't make the embryos grow out the day five. Matter of fact, most embryos could not survive because we just weren't good at our culturing principles. But today, most clinics, at least good clinics, can get all the way to day five. And the reason we prefer to have the embryo in on day five is because it's closer to the time of the implantation window. Whereas if we put the embryo back on day two or three, it sits in the uterus for days until it's ready to implant, which is potentially can reduce your chances. And we know that day five transfers have better chances than day three. Now, what's important to understand is how important is this window of implantation? Well, we know that if you take a day five embryo and you put it in on day two, you're probably not going to get pregnant. And the same thing, if you take a day three embryo and put it in a uterus on day six, you're probably not going to get pregnant because the window of implantation is not synchronized with the embryo. You need both the embryo and the uterus to be synchronized. To have a successful transfer, there are several things you must have. One, you must have a uterine environment as a good environment. Again, that womb with a view. You have to have a solid histogram to verify that there are no polyps or any abnormal things in the cavity that would ruin the implantation. You have to have a lining check to verify that the lining is thick enough and appropriate to accept the embryo. You need to have good quality embryos. That doesn't just mean having normal chromosomes, but also having a good embryo. And last, you need to be in that window of implantation to have good receptivity. Today, we're going to focus on that. So now we know the why ERA is needed. The question is, what is it? And do you need it? The endometrial receptivity analysis is to help us determine that window of implantation. Now the question is, why did we pick day five? Where did that even come from? Well, naturally, when you get pregnant, the embryo travels down the fallopian tube and falls into the uterus around day five. So naturally, when people were going to determine the day they put the embryo back, they said, why not use the same day? That happens naturally. And as a matter of fact, most people fall during that time. But there are some people who don't. Now, based off of one company's analysis, they state 20 to 30% of women have a unique window of implantation and are usually displaced from the normal timing. Now, in our data at our clinic, we find that it's only about 10, maybe 15%. But we did not do a study. We are just basing this off of data that is retrospective. Now, the ERA has two parts. The first part is an endometrial biopsy. Now, many of you have, have who have been doing IVF for a while have heard of a thing called an endometrial scratch. And that's where you biopsy the uterine lining to irritate it, to create some inflammation to help with the transfer the following month. Now, at first, when the ERA came out, people thought, well, is it just a biopsy that's helping people get pregnant? Or is it really the window of impl implantation? The answer is, it's the window of implantation. 
many studies have shown that an endometrial scratch probably doesn't help. Now, I'm not against them. I tell everyone I am not against endometrial scratches. I don't think they're going to harm anything. I don't know if they're going to help, but I don't think they'll harm. But with the ERA, what you do is you plan a normal transfer. And you would assess the tra transfer the same way you would as a normal transfer, except this time, instead of doing a transfer embryo on day five, what you do is you take an endometrial biopsy on day five. Now, most clinics will also do a biopsy on day seven. And it's not that they need that day seven biopsy, but if in case they do, you don't have to do a whole nother cycle. So 90% of people on that first biopsy are going to get the results. But 10% of people are going to need either that day seven biopsy and even a smaller percentage could even need a biopsy before day five, like on day four or three. And that's pretty uncommon for that day four or three, but it does happen. So what's important about this is if there's something wrong with your transfer and your doctor wouldn't go ahead with a transfer normally, then you don't want to do the ERA. You want to do the ERA in a normal situation, just like you're going to do a transfer. So if your lining's too thin, don't do the ERA. If there's something weird they see in your uterus, don't do the ERA. If you're sick, just like if you were going to do a transfer and they say, listen, you have a fever, you shouldn't do this, don't do an ERA. Because the reason why is what you're looking at is you're actually looking at gene expression, which is the second part of the ERA. The biopsy gets us the tissue. And it's important that when they get that tissue, they note the time and the date. Because what they look at next is they look at the gene expression in the endometrium associated with implantation. Approximately 236 genes are assessed for the optimal timing of transfer. And so what they do is they take those biopsies and determine if those genes are turned on or not. If they are, and they look like they're ready for implantation, then you would have a positive and they'd say, this is your time for implantation. If they're off, then what they use is they use a computerized system to then develop a timing window for you. From a technical standpoint, what they do is they make probes for these 236 genes. Then they hybridize those with RNA. And then again, those are read by a computer predictor that will then match those up and determine if they're, if they're being expressed or not being expressed. But one of the most important things to understand about this is, is when you get your results, the results are based off of progesterone. They are not based off of estrogen. The timing comes from when the progesterone starts and when the embryo goes in the uterus. So if it takes you 16 days to build the lining, and then on your transfer day, it takes you 18 days to build up your lining and then you start progesterone, that's okay. Because it's not the estrogen component. It's the progesterone component that develops the timing. Now, per the company's website, they state that they have a 73% pregnancy rate. Now, keep in mind, that's not live birth rate. That's a pregnancy rate, meaning just someone having a positive pregnancy test, even if the number was low. Other studies by Ruiz Alonso in 2013 showed that when they looked at women with repeated implantation failure, which is greater than two 
failed IVF cycles of implantation, they found that 25% of the women had a displaced endometrium when it comes to the window of implantation. And only 12% of the people in the control group had a displaced window of implantation. What this means is, is that there are some people who have a higher chance of having an abnormal window of implantation over controls, meaning normal people without any issues. Then in 2014, the same group did another study showing people who did an ERA and people who did, didn't do an ERA had a pregnancy rate of 55% and 44% respectively. Now, does this mean that the ERA is one of the best tests we have now and that that's going to get you pregnant? The answer is no. I would argue, and I think most reproductive doctors would agree, not everyone should do the ERA. But the question is, who should? And right now, I think one of the best uses of the ERA is in repeated implantation failure. Again, this is when you do an IVF transfer and the pregnancy test comes back zero. And then you do another transfer and again, it comes back zero. This is repeated implantation failure. In this situation, I think most doctors would agree it makes a lot of sense to do an ERA because now you are not getting pregnant in a situation where most people would. But that's the point. You have to look at the context. So if you're 44 and you're not checking the embryos for their genetic status, whether they're euploid or aneuploid, which means normal or abnormal, respectively, then the ERA may not be helpful because at 44, you expect a very, very low pregnancy rate. So it makes sense when you're not getting pregnant. But if you're 26 and you do a transfer of two embryos and don't get pregnant and then do another transfer and don't get pregnant, that would be extremely unusual. And that's where the ERA would come into place. The same thing if you did PGS, also known as PGTA, and didn't get pregnant twice, now you know you have normal embryos and something might be wrong in the uterus. We have been using the ERA at my clinic for quite some time. And at first, we really did just use it for repeated implantation failure. But then we started looking at our data. And what we noticed was, is that there were other times we felt it was very useful. One of them is if someone did PGS, again, PGTA, and they didn't get pregnant with putting back two embryos, we would then recommend doing the ERA. Now, why? Because at our clinic with two embryos, over 85% of people were pregnant. So in that situation, we knew something was wrong. And when we did the ERA, almost all the time, the window of implantation was displaced. So now, routinely, if people do a transfer at our clinic with two embryos that have been PGS, PGTA tested, we always recommend doing the ERA. Now, what if they put one embryo back? Do we recommend the ERA? No, not always, because we expect about 60, sometimes up to 70% pregnancy rate, but it's not over 85%. 
So it could be due to chance. Now, it's not unreasonable to do an ERA. No one's ever going to not get pregnant by doing an ERA. It just might make your wallet a little lighter. Another situation that we have looked at is when the endometrial lining is difficult to build up. There are some women, and you may be one of them, where no matter what you do, you can never get your lining to build up to six, or if it does, barely six. And everyone else has those big plush linings. They're like those thick eyebrows everyone's going for now. Everyone's excited about them. I got my big thick lining, but you don't. And the question is, what does that mean? So at first we used to think that the lining being thin was the problem, but we know embryos will implant in the fallopian tube, on an ovary, on the bowel. And those don't have a big thick endometrial lining. So what really is going on? Well, what's interesting is prior to the ERA, I didn't know. And we tried lots of different things. And one of the things I realized is that when we did the ERA, we started noticing that a lot of women with thin linings were displaced. And then it made me realize that when we were having thin linings, we would try different types of protocols. And one of the protocols we did was a natural cycle. And what's interesting about natural cycle is usually it adds on a little bit more progesterone, lengthening the progesterone timing. And then I started realizing, I wonder if really the thin lining is more of a signal that there's an issue with the window of implantation. And so anytime anyone had a thin lining, we started telling them, let's do an ERA. And since we started doing that, I have never been afraid of anyone having a thin lining when we have an ERA. Because over 90% of the time, if the lining was thin, and that means during IVF it was thin and during the FET it was thin, meaning only getting the six millimeters or seven at the most, we would find that the ERA was off. And once we fixed that, we had no issues getting them pregnant. I put embryos in people with a lining of four and five pregnant with an ERA. But in the past, when I didn't have the ERA, we just used to put an embryo back and pray. Now, when it comes to these two last examples, I think it's important to always, again, take into context. At our clinic, we know how well we do with PGS-tested embryos. I can't say the same about every clinic. Some clinics overgrade their embryos. They call everything an A. And then people go, I don't know why I didn't get pregnant. That's when you really want a second opinion. Sometimes if you're putting back AA embryos and done a URA and not getting pregnant, you might want a second opinion. You might want someone to look at those embryos and see if they agree with that grading. Because again, a normal embryo just helps it continue. But if your embryo grade is still very poor, then that's also going to prevent you from getting pregnant. The same thing comes with a thin lining. I don't believe if your lining is thin that you should go straight to an ERA. First, try the other methods of building up the lining. You can take patches. You can take oral pills. You can take um, injections of estrogen. You can do a natural cycle. You can do a natural cycle with medication to make multiple follicles. And the way I determine that is I look at how did you do during your IVF cycle? Did your lining get thick then? If the estrogen got very high and it didn't, then it's not an estrogen issue. There's probably something else going on. So again, take these all in the context. 
when I'm giving you this information. Now, there are a couple other times that I recommend doing the ERA, but these are not so much medically based, but this is more honestly emotionally based. And that's when you only have one embryo or you're on your last embryo, or maybe you're on your last female or male embryo. Maybe you're your retrievals are very difficult and you only get two eggs each time and you finally get that normal embryo. In those situations, I don't think it's inappropriate to do an ERA. Just like everyone's worried about, what if I have other issues? You want to correct everything. And for the small amount of money it costs, if you get one shot at this, I don't think it's unreasonable to do an ERA. And so at our clinic, we give people that option. We don't recommend it. We just say, it's, it's a good option. And as you would expect, for those patients, we don't find everyone having a displaced endometrium because they're not having a medical issue, such as someone with repeated implantation failures. They're not having a thin lining. They're perfectly normal. We weren't worried about them at all. But we only get one shot at this. And when you only have one shot, you want to make sure so don't be surprised if this is the situation for you and you do an ERA, it's going to come back normal more times than not. So, so far we've discussed now what the endometrium is, why it's important, what the ERA is, what it does, when it's useful to use, and overall what our expectations should be for the ERA. But let's talk a little further on those expectations. So when you get those results, how do they show up? Do they say this is the exact timing you need? The answer is no. The implantation window is not an exact time. It's about a six hour window. And so it's not uncommon for your doctor if your timing, let's say, would fall at 2 p.m., that will be in the middle of that six hour window where you could go three hours later or three hours early and everything would be fine. So don't be worried if it's not exactly at the zero mark, it can be off by three hours plus or minus and still be in that window because the window is not an exact time. It's a period of time. Now, one thing I've been seeing more and more is I see people who want to do ERA and don't do PGS testing, which to me seems strange. Now, I understand there are reasons why people don't do PGS and that might be for religious reasons or other things, but I'm talking about people made a conscious decision to not do PGS because they're worried about the costs, but then they spend the cost in the ERA. And what I want to do is I just want to go over pregnancy rates and miscarriage rates for different ages. Now, remember, the ERA is only off per the group between 20 to 30% of women. In our studies, we've never seen it that high. So I'm going to assume 15%, maybe worst case, 20%. But if you look at the pregnancy rate from the national pregnancy rate of having a live birth and you're under 35, it's only 48.5%. Now, again, this is national statistics. So this has the worst clinics, it has the best clinics. There are many clinics better than this. We are ourselves. But the point is, is that that means that half the people are not getting pregnant. And the most likely reason for that is the embryos were abnormal. If you go to 35, 37, you're looking at only a 43% pregnancy rate, 15 to 70% miscarriage rate. At 38 to 40, 
a 35.8 pregnancy rate, meaning again, live birth rate, and 20 to 30% chance of miscarriage. That's why those live birth rates drop. At 41 to 42, 24.9% live birth rate. 75% of people are not going to get pregnant and not have a live birth. And so why does that happen at 41, 42? Most likely because of aneuploidy. That embryos are abnormal. We know at 41 to 42, almost 70 to 80% of the embryos are going to be abnormal. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If your highest risk is an abnormal embryo from preventing you from getting pregnant, why do an ERA? Sure, timing matters, but why would you go for the small thing when the big thing is there? I always tell people it's like checking your tires to make sure your car is going to run nice or forgetting that there's no engine in your car. Another aspect about the ERA is that the embryo still matters. I think sometimes we forget how important the uterus is. We forget how important the embryo is in this whole thing. Normal embryos can still fail. Uteruses that look normal can still not implant. And so when we talk about the ERA, it's important to understand that I think it matters with the embryo. So let's say you go and you have a great looking embryo. And let's say your timing was off and you didn't know it. You're probably going to be okay. And the reason why is I think some embryos are so good that they can actually be off a little bit. Because again, the implantation window isn't have to be perfect. It just is easier for the embryo because they're synchronized. But if you got a poor looking embryo and it's not doing very well, then that implantation window may make a big difference. And I notice this when I look at HCG test. When I see an HCG test at zero, just like you, we go negative. And that's where an ERA might make sense. We go, that didn't implant. But what about the ones that are very low? The ones that are like six or 10, and they start dropping right away. Those are the ones that I get worried about of an embryo that was off on its timing and couldn't keep going. And yes, if it was a better embryo, like your first embryo you put back, that's going to be your best embryo. It could be off a little bit, but now you're on your worst embryo. Now an ERA may be useful because if that implantation window is off, it may not implant as well. My favorite example for this is Michael Jordan. In 1997, Michael Jordan was playing in the playoffs with the flu, known as the flu game. Now. Why is this important? Because my analogy here is this. If you've got a good embryo, a Michael Jordan embryo, then you can have the flu and still put on one of the greatest performances ever in basketball with the flu. But if you take me, which I would call me the lowest embryo possible, I get the flu, I think I'm dying. And my wife is working around the clock taking care of me. So if your embryo is not as good, you can't be that off on the implantation because it can't make up for it. But if your embryo is Michael Jordan, then in 1997, you would have pulled off the greatest game with the flu ever seen. So in summary, the uterine lining 
is important, extremely important. And the ERA is a tool that can help us when we're worried about the implantation window. I think we're very fortunate to have the ERA. As I mentioned in prior podcasts, there was a time I was very worried I couldn't get people pregnant in certain situations. Thin linings, repetitive failed transfers. And the ERA has brought me so much hope and I give patients hope because it's true. It's a great tool to use in the right time. Now, if you want to use use it, even if you don't need it, there's no harm from that. Some people have so much money, they need a way to spend it. And if that's how you want to spend it, that's fine. But most of us don't. And so for that reason, I would definitely talk to your doctor before choosing to do a because it's not for everyone and you could be wasting money. But one thing I can definitely tell you is no one has ever not got pregnant by doing an ERA. An ERA is not going to make your chances worse. But if there's anything I can remind people about this podcast is that the ERA is a tool. It's not a guarantee. It's not better than PGS or PGTA. It's not better than a sonohistogram. It's a tool within all our tools to help some people have the best chance at becoming pregnant. Thanks again for everyone's support. Uh, these podcasts do take a lot of time. Um, today, I actually had to go to sleep early and wake up early in the morning to do this podcast. So I really appreciate the support. Um, again, always reviews help and help us get known. And if you have questions, again, send them into our email at tbft at newdirectionfertility.com and I'll answer those questions. I hope everyone has a great Taco Tuesday. Until next week, this is 